Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49er faithful? This is your host, Zane Nackvi, with... The co-host of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, Al Sacco. And Al, preseason has concluded. It's time for week one. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got last week's game to talk about. We've got uh, roster predictions to talk about. We've got a ton to unpack here. I know that you were a little pissed off last week about some stuff. We'll talk about that. Um, Khalil Mack and the potential trade. There's so much on our plate, man. There is a lot on the plate, and I, I'm not pissed anymore. All of a sudden, I was you know a little, little ornery last week and, and had some issues. And the reason I feel a little bit better is I saw what I wanted to see last week. And what I mean by that was in week three of the preseason, I wanted to see the O-line gel a little bit. It had been playing so poorly, and they just didn't look like they were playing like a unit to me. And in week three, you know, there were still some issues. McGlinchey struggled a little bit in the run game. But overall, I thought they played really, really well. And I was happy with that. Also, we finally saw a little bit of a pass rush. And I don't know how much of that we'll carry over into the season because the Colts don't have the best offensive line. And I still worry about those edge players, but saw a lot of things that I liked and look, the offense, they move the ball up and down the field, which is what you want to see. Did they get points? No, but there were some drops in there that cost them points. You saw a Colicatini have a bad drop and he had another bad drop in week four of the preseason. Uh, you saw Garrett Selleck with a drop. Kendrick Bourne had a drop. If, if these guys come down with the balls, there's maybe another 14, 17 points or whatever on the board. And Garoppolo did force a couple passes there at the, at the end of the half that could have been interceptions. And, and that was on him. But for the most part, I thought Jimmy played really, really well. Again, moved the team, put them in positions to score. And you hope when it's George Kittle out there and, and not Cole Hickatini and, and maybe he's throwing a Garcon or Goodwin and, and maybe not Bourne or whatever the situation would be, that those p- passes are going to get hauled in. So overall, I was happy and feeling better heading into the season. Alfred Morris had a great game too. Like oh he yeah, had, yeah. He yeah. had a pretty, pretty solid game in his first action with the 49ers. and they did they did simplify the offense a little bit for him, and they gave him what he's used to in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Remember when he came in in Washington, he had his best years under Kyle Shanahan, so he knows the the blocking scheme, he knows the, the offense and the running game. So I really feel like he had 84 yards, I believe, and he looked like a, a solid veteran. And I think obviously now he's he's going to make the team. And uh, he's not playing the last preseason game because of that. So that's he actually, one he actually, more... he actually did play. He actually did play. Oh, did he? Oh, did yeah, he? Okay. Yeah. I had, had, had a couple carries in there. Yeah. I, I haven't been paying attention to the last preseason game because it's oh, all the starters yeah, are sitting. You, you, uh, you just <laughs> hope no one gets hurt last preseason game. I hear you. Exactly. So, um, you know, I just, I just really like that, that addition. I, I like the fact that they went out and got a veteran running back to kind of add to this backfield because really, we talked about it before and you mentioned it. There are two unknowns with McKinnon and Breda in terms of being a full-time back. Neither of those guys has, has been able to carry the load. And the fact that you can bring in a, a guy like Alfred Morris, who's not even 30 years old, he's just shy of 30, 29 years old. And he's still got a little bit left in the tank uh, on the cheap. It's, it's huge. And I think that that addition is going to prove uh, it's, it's going to prove it's worth later on in the season. As far as Jimmy Garoppolo goes. Yeah. He, he had a few throws that, probably you know would have been intercepted in the in the regular season or should have been um there was a little bit of miscommunication the drops killed them i believe there were five drops on 19 attempts that's totally unacceptable like they're dropping a quarter of his passes so you're not you can't have that in the regular season and i'd like to think that they'll tighten those things up 
um, the drop to Hikatini, like you mentioned, it, it was a bad one because that was probably his best throw of the night and maybe his best throw of the preseason where he fitted over three defenders at just in a small window. Um, there's a linebacker underneath and, and between the corner and the safety right into Hikatini's hands and he, and he just couldn't hold on. Those things can't happen. Like those, those have to be converted into, into touchdowns in the regular season. So I'm not entirely worried because these are correctable things. Like they're not like, oh, well, they have a giant hole at this position. Um, they're more just like execution things. And those things can be corrected with the right amount of repetition. So um, I think that you saw more of the offense that they would run during the regular season. They they kind of took the the cover off the car a little bit and show, showcased a little bit of what they can do. More play action, more of Kyle Juszczyk leaking out into the flat, more of just having a lot of options out there for Jimmy Garoppolo as opposed to just like a one read and go. So I think that they're, they're okay heading into the, the, the first week of the season. Um, we'll see what happens with the last week of the preseason. Um, I, I don't think that, that anything will be glaring that, that will come up because the starters aren't playing. And it's just now on to Minnesota. And we mentioned the drops. We have to mention the penalties too. There's been some bad penalties the past couple of games yeah. that have that have hurt them in drives and sent them back. They got to get that cleaned up as well. So the drops and penalties are concerning. Let's see if they can get that cleaned up. Now we mentioned a little bit about Morris, and we're going to talk about the 53 man roster, who, who, what we think it's going to be, and, and you know give our opinions on that. But before we do that, I, I want to get into this Cleo Mack stuff, and I tried to stay away from this. Because at first, when you hear that you know he wasn't going to sign, you just say, okay, it's a matter of time. The Raiders are nuts to let him go. But as this has moved on, it doesn't look like there's an end in sight. And now it looks like he's going to miss games. And, and this is make it to the point where they have to trade him. They're backed into a corner. And all of a sudden, this has kind of piqued my interest. So just really thinking about it in terms of the Niners. And, and I, I put this out on Twitter because I wanted to see what the fans thought. And it was... Uh, just we got a great response. It was a great back and forth, and I appreciate everybody for um, you know interacting with, on that with Twitter. I, I love doing that stuff and, and talking back and forth. And you know, I read what people say, and there's so much back and forth. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, if if the Niners traded for Khalil Mack and signed him to I don't know, five, I'm not good with this stuff, but five years, ninety million, and you front load that deal, they'd still be in pretty good shape in terms of the cap and, and they'd be able to extend to Forrest Buckner when his rookie deal expires at the end of 2020, you know, so I mean, they pick up his option, which they will. Hmm. So they can do it financially. And I'm wondering what do the Niners think, you know, do, do they not want to go outside the organization? Would they rather pay their own and draft? But here, here's how I look at Cleo Mack. And, and maybe I'm thinking this Niners team is more ahead where they are than they are, I should say. But this defense to me is really, really close. So offensively, right, we figure with Garoppolo and Shanahan, they're going to be able to put up points. They're going to be at least a good offensive team with with Garoppolo and Shanahan, and you hope even more than that. I mean, you know, the ceiling is the 2016 Falcons, right? You know, as good as that offense was. And even if they're somewhere in between a good team and the 2016 Falcons, it's, it's, that's going to be a really good offense. So you're hoping that that's there with those two guys. The defense has some really strong players. Buckner's a star, whether he's been on top 100 lists or not which is ridiculous that he, he isn't making these things. He, people are going to notice him this year, and he's a star. Looks like Ruben Foster's a star. So you have two guys on, you know, in the front seven there that are stars. You have Solomon Thomas, who's up and coming. Really strong defensive line that's deep with, you know, DJ Jones and Eric Armstead and guys like that. The linebacker core looks strong. Fred Warner looks fast. There's good young players in the secondary. We love the safeties in Colbert and Tart, but the glaring weakness on this team is the Ed's rusher. They really don't have one. 
And you look at Khalil Mack, to me, I believe, in my opinion, he completely, completely transforms the 49ers defense. The edge rusher is the missing piece in this defense, and they get him. To me, the defense is devastating. Now, do do you worry if the depth is there and a few guys go down? Of course, of course, any defense is, nobody is, you know, whatever, 16 deep or whatever on your defense. Injuries would hurt anybody, but... When you look at the starters in the base unit that they have and the nickel packages they would have, if you put Khalil Mack on the field with that defense, the defense is a top NFL defense. I think he changes it that much. And then you say, well, Al, what are you going to give up for him? I think the notion of two ones with the Raiders is ridiculous because they're going to, like I said, they're going to be backed in a corner. I don't think they're going to get two ones from anybody. Nobody's going to give them two ones because they know eventually they're going to have to trade this guy. So right. would you give them one first round pick to me? Absolutely. Because if you're the Niners, you're hoping you're at least picking later in the first round, right? Early 20s or whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be. And you're going to take a pass rusher anyway. So you hope, you pray that any pass rusher you take in the first round is going to have the ceiling of Khalil Mack, is going to get to be Khalil Mack. So if you're trading mm-hmm. a first for Khalil Mack, I would do that in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Now, obviously, you're going to probably have to give up a little bit more than that. But if you give up a first this year and even a second next year, or third next year, I would do that in a heartbeat too. I really would. Cause to me, he takes them from a borderline playoff team to a contender. I think the, the rumor was that the Raiders wanted two firsts right now. And, but that's as of now. And once he starts holding out games, that yeah, price will drop and not going to happen. Yeah. Nobody's going to give him two firsts for Khalil. Khalil Mack is a generational pass rusher and arguably the, the greatest pass rusher in the game right now. And uh, him, him, Von Miller, JJ Watt, they're all right up there. So, Somebody will, I mean, there, there are some teams, I believe that 12 teams uh, call the Raiders about um, good trading for Khalil Mack. And there are at least four of them that are seriously interested. And I hope the 49ers are one of them because this is, like you said, this is the biggest need on the team. Like they've done, they've done a lot to improve, obviously, the quarterback position. They got Jimmy Garoppolo. They got some receivers. They got Marquise Goodwin's emerged and they got Dante Pettis drafted Trent Taylor last year. They got Richard Sherman to be in the secondary and the safeties hopefully will emerge. They've got Fred Warner to play next to next to Ruben Foster, and obviously on the defensive line they've got the, they've got Buckner and 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 Solomon Thomas with Armstead and and the depth that you mentioned. So they've addressed all of those positions through the draft and or free agency with significant upgrades and names. The only position really that they've left is is edge rusher, and that's kind of a platoon thing. Like Eli Harold got traded earlier this week to the the Lions for a conditional seventh round pick. And he was one of those guys that was competing at that spot. So now you've got Jerry Itachu and Cassius Marsh that are basically going to platoon at that spot um, unless they move Buckner outside on some downs, which they've been toying with. And Solomon Thomas, obviously, they, they insist on playing him out there as well. So if you get a Khalil Mack, if you get one guy that can just wreak havoc in the opposing backfield and make the quarterback throw a second before he's ready and, and just, you know, just be a pest all game, that changes your entire team. Like a, a dominant pass rusher will make your entire team better because he will force turn he will f- force turnovers, he will force incompletions, he will force the quarterback to get rid of the ball before he's ready. Like he will command double teams and and take a, a tight end or running back out of the opposing offense because they have to chip on that block. Like th- it changes the entire outlook of what scheme you can run. And if they can land a guy like that. I don't care what the price. I, there's no guy that you can find that would be better than Khalil Mack in the draft next year. That's what it comes down to. There's nobody in this country that plays college football that will be better and more polished than Khalil Mack. You're talking about, again, 
one of the most dominant edge rushers in the game right now, if not the most dominant. There's nobody that's going to come in that's going to be better. You have the cap room. You have the draft capital. This is one of those things where you have to take a good, long, hard look at it, and you have to decide, like, are we one player away, or is this a situation where they need an edge rusher and, like, maybe a receiver and an offensive lineman? Because this doesn't, Al, honestly, this doesn't make sense unless you're, like, one player away. If he was, like, the last piece to the puzzle, then you make that trade all day. But if you need more than one player, and if you're still filling, filling out your roster, and if, you, if you're still rebuilding, you can't invest that much into one player. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but there was one point, um, and, I, and I think this ultimately sunk that Seahawks, quote-unquote, dynasty or run or whatever you want to call it, um, one Super Bowl dynasty, but whatever you want to call it, they had a historically great defense from 2012 until 2016. And in 2017, like last year, they had they had injuries and things like that. But they were they had eight their top eight guys took up over 50 percent of their cap because when they got mm-hmm. when they started picking up those rookie options and re-signing some of those guys, they started eating up a lot of their cap room. And that's not really what I want for the 49ers. I want them to extend that window, and that means that you can't have a top heavy sort of cap structure. And that's ultimately what sunk Seattle is that they, they couldn't pay everybody, and that's why Earl Thomas will eventually leave there as well. I don't want that to happen to the 49ers. So they have to be really, really smart. Like, if you are going for it now with Khalil Mack, you're basically saying that this is like a three-year, you know, within three years, you're thinking like Super Bowl, right? You're thinking like, this is, this is going to be it. Whereas like right now, they're on a more gradual curve. They've got Shanahan and Lynch for another five years. They've got Garoppolo for another five years as well. So right now, it's more gradual, but if you get a guy like that, that window ultimately, like it'll, it'll shrink a little bit. See, the reason I, I, I disagree with you there is, is one, I do think if he comes in, I think there's a Super Bowl contender. So I've, I've seen people say, well, they're not one player away. I, I, I think he comes in and they're Super Bowl contenders. So to me, maybe they are one player away. <laughs> you know, if you have that star quarterback and that star pass rusher or star defensive lineman, a coach who can, who can scheme points, I, if that pass rusher comes in and, and changes the dynamic to me, you are one player away. And the way I look at the contract, and look, I don't know if Mac will sign a contract like this, but the way I look at how ideally you would structure this contract is it's, it's loaded in the first three years. You load everything mm-hmm. in the first three years, so what, or even two years, whatever, because they have a ton of cap space you know, next year. So you load it all up, and then when the guys you need to pay, to pay are ready to be paid, that three years is over. And you could do what you need to with Mac. You know, you got your three years out of him or whatever. He's 30. And, and maybe you, you did draft someone who's ready to come up and take his place. And then you could play, pay Foster. And then you could pay Thomas. And then you could pay Buckner or Colbert or, or whoever you need to pay. Um, that's, that's the way I kind of look at it. And the Niners are so good with their contracts. Anything that they do would be team-friendly, would not hurt them. I, I've said that for how long? that I, I trust Marathe that anything that he does is going to be beneficial to the team. So if they were able to make this, they would structure it in a way where they can, it's not going to hurt the team. Now, again, is Matt going to do that? I don't know. And this is probably all, you know, just, we're just guessing here and just trying to figure out if we can make this work. It's, I don't know if it's reality or not, but to me, that's how I look at it. And I, and I really feel that we talk about window. Yeah. I want to have a long window, but I also don't want to have the window kind of sort of open for the next five years. Open it up, man. You know, you got to start quarterback, open it up and, and go for it. And if it doesn't work in, in the next three or four years, you know, if you're drafting well, again, you have the star quarterback. So as long as that guy's under center, you're fine. Again, look mm-hmm. at the Packers. And I don't want to say Garoppolo's Aaron Rodgers up because he's, he's not. You know, Aaron Rodgers is, is the 
and Brady are the two best quarterbacks in the league. Garoppolo was, I'm not saying that, but every year Aaron Rodgers has played pretty much full season, you know, at least 14 games. The Packers win 10 games. That guy mm-hmm. behind center is worth 10 wins. And I feel like Garoppolo can be that kind of quarterback. So to me, if the windows open the window, man, you know, let's go for it. Yeah. It's kind of how I feel at this point. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. And it's, it's, you know, it's not a bad way to think because you have that franchise quarterback and now it's time to surround him with some pieces. But at the same time, you, like you said, like you have, you have an extended window because your quarterback is hopefully going to be elite. I remember when the 49ers had Steve Young and towards the, the end of his time with the 49ers, they, they picked up Garrison Hurst, but there was a point where he was, Steve Young was like the leading rusher on the team. And uh, he was, he was making all these plays and he was playing hurt and he was masking a lot of the problems that they were having on, on the team in terms of talent and lack of talent, because after he went down that same year, they, they were terrible and they kind of went into the doldrums for a few years until Jeff Garcia came and, and it kind of masked a lot of, deficiencies that the team has so yeah i agree a great quarterback can can change that now there's a, a balance to be had between going for it and and out, outright just like going la rams and like all right we're just going to go for it and it's going to be a two-year window and that's it like the way that the rams have done it they're basically paying a bunch of guys for two years and they're hoping that it's going to work out within those two years i i don't really want the 49ers to do that i want them to take a smarter approach and i think they will because Parag, let's be honest. Parag Marate doesn't. He doesn't give out bad contracts. Like the Forty ers don't. Like he's well. He's well known around the league to be a cap magician. And um, this is one thing that you can say about the Forty ers through through the bad times and the good. They don't give out bad contracts. They, for the most part, the contracts that they that they have, they don't linger over them for a number of years. They're able to get out of them. So I'm I'm okay with with adding Khalil Mack. But it's like, all right, if you add a guy like that, if you add that guy that's it. Like you're going for it. Like we're not going to just tiptoe into the water here. No, you're diving right in and you're, you're going for it. There's no holding back after that. So I hope that whatever happens, whatever decision that they make, and this is all speculation, but whatever decision they make, they make it wholeheartedly. And they don't, they don't just like kind of tiptoe into it. They, they have a clear vision and they want to fit that vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and we'll get into why we feel the Niners need to pass rusher so much as we get into this 53 man roster. I mean, and I'm excited to go through this. And when I went through the roster and, and sort of made my predictions of who's going to be on there, I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises. There's a lot of cut and dry on the roster. And we'll start out with, with, with quarterback position. And, and look, we already know the two guys are going to be, it's going to be Jimmy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Jimmy guy, you know who I mean, right? Well, Nick, Nick Grapp- is going to start, right? No, I think it was Gar- 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 Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, yeah. anyway, that guy's going to start. And then you have Beathard, yeah. too. So, so again, now we know Jimmy is the franchise right now. And he, like I mentioned earlier, again, he's been doing the preseason what he did last year, where he's been moving the ball up and down the field. Our buddy Joe Fan tweeted out, the Niners are averaging 411 yards per game and 6.4 yards per play, which is tops in the league in preseason. Now, the issue is they're only averaging 18 points a game. This is through the first three games. Um, the issue is they're only averaging 18 points a game. They only scored 54 total in the first three games. And the other teams who were also in the top five in yards per play, um, Tampa Bay is averaging 28 points a game. Um, Carolina Panthers are averaging 26. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, 25. Um, Chicago Bears twenty three. So those so those teams are scoring more than Niners. Again, I think the points are going to come as Kittle mm. comes back and McKinnon comes back and that sort of thing. But we know what Jimmy is. We know the expectations on him. He, he's 
the franchise guy and you hope that he's going to be the first 49er quarterback since Jeff Garcia to throw for 3,500 yards and over 21 TDs and, and win 10 games plus and everything like that. And Beathard, listen, I've been vocal about what I think of him and everything for me with the backup quarterback is, look, if Garoppolo goes down, they're screwed. If he gets hurt for any extended period of time, the Niners are screwed. I think the Niners might be a 3-1 team if they don't have Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. But if he if you lose him for four games, all I want my backup to do is come in and go two and two. Just keep us afloat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I don't know if Bathard can do that. I really don't. I, I hope that as a young quarterback he continues, but he does worry me as the backup if anything ever happens to Jimmy, but knock on wood that we don't have to worry about that and we get sixteen games of an elite franchise QB. It's pretty cut and dry to quarterback. Like everybody knows what's gonna happen. And I, I wanna I wanna take a step back and talk about Jimmy Garoppolo because it's obviously the favorite subject of everybody now who, who talks about the 49ers, who follows the 49ers. But I was listening to the radio today and it was the San Diego Chargers, uh, San Diego, LA Chargers radio voice. It's kind of still weird to call them LA Chargers, Al. Like I, I, yeah, I, just, I forget, I mean, I forget too. Been, yeah. Like they've been there for a year and I just, they should have stayed in San Diego, but I mean, that's, that's a discussion for another time, but the, the Los Angeles Chargers had their radio announcer on um 95.7 the game here which is a local radio station and damon bruce um who the host the, the host of that show he was asking him what do you what are your thoughts on jimmy garoppolo and it's funny how others perceive jimmy like they just perceive jimmy as this like you know larger than life i can't believe the 49ers got him sort of quarterback and he's like the 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 big story around town like usually People are talking about the Warriors here and they're talking about, you know, the Giants or, or the Sharks or something like that playoffs. No, it's Jimmy Garoppolo now. Like this is this is his time. This is the first time that we're seeing that everybody is like unified behind a quarterback in, in a long, long time. Like probably since, like you said, Jeff Garcia with Alex Smith, everybody remembers that, you know, some people hated him. Some people loved him. Colin Kaepernick, really polarizing figure for obvious reasons. But now with Jimmy Garoppolo, you have a guy that literally the entire Bay area, all of the, the 49ers fans, they're behind him and everybody is, has unified in their support of him. And it's kind of cool to see because you don't like, we haven't seen that here for a really long time. And what this chargers guy was saying was that this guy, like even the date that he went on with that adult film star or whatever, like he said that personally, you know, I, you know, we had our thoughts on that and we had the show, we did the show on that and, and we briefly talked about that. But <laughs> the guy said, that Jimmy Garoppolo like has supreme confidence to make that move. Like you don't go out on that date if you don't have confidence. So I think that, that the way that he's perceived around the league will also probably help the team because the, the focus will be on him and people will pay less attention to the other spare parts that they have and they'll beat you in other ways. So I think the fact that, that Jimmy is here is, is great on so many levels. And I think that if the, the, their number one priority needs to be to keep him healthy. And beyond that, like you said, like there's not much CJ Beathard, like he, he struggled in the preseason, like his pocket presence just isn't there. He hasn't really progressed. And Nick Mullins, who's, he's been a nice story, but he's, he's probably going to be relegated to the practice squad. I don't think they're going to keep three quarterbacks on the, on the active roster. So I, I really just think that, that it's, it's Jimmy or bust. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you there. And one of the things that will help this offense is, is the running game and if they can help Garoppolo that way to balance it out. And there are some question marks there heading into the season for sure. And mainly that's because of injuries, but 
who I had making it for the running backs. I think they're going to keep four backs. McKinnon, mm-hmm. Breida, Mostert for special teams. Alfred Morris is going to make the team, at least for the at least until they know McKinnon and Breida are healthy. Alfred Morris is on that team. And, of course, Kyle Juszczyk at, at fullback. Now, I don't know how this running game is, is, is going to play out this year. I really don't. I know everyone is really excited about Morris, and he had a terrific game, and he knows Shanahan's offense, and he's a bigger back like they don't have. And I feel like he can play a role on this team, but I, I pumped the brakes with him a little bit. Really do feel if, if McKinnon and Breed are healthy, they're, they're going to be the guys. And I don't know how long Morris would be on the team. Having said that, I also would not be surprised if Alfred Morris led the team in rushing. That's how little I know about what's going to happen with this running game. I think it's going to be McKinnon and Breed heavy, but who knows? Who knows about these injuries, if they're going to linger? Who knows if, if we know Breed is going to have success. But again, I've been saying we don't know what McKinnon is as a runner. It's going to be fine in the passing game. I'm not worried about that at all. As a running back, we don't know if he can carry the load. So it, it, it could be something where, you know, two months from now we're talking, oh, remember we thought McKinnon couldn't run and, you know, he's running for 100 yards a game. Or it could be where we say, hey, this McKinnon thing is not really working out. Or it could be that they just split the carries amongst all three of these guys. I'm confident that those are going to be the guys on the roster come week one. But how things are going to look in week six, Zane, I have no idea. I think they're going to keep four running backs as well. And John Lynch was talking about this in, in a interview earlier where he was saying that he wants guys that can do multiple things. He just doesn't want special teams guys. And Mostert is mostly special teams, but he can run the ball as well. He can fill in he can fill in for for the other guys when they're injured. So I think that because of that, he'll he'll make the team. He's not just like an Aaron Burbridge type where all he does is literally kind of just play special teams. I think that I mean, you're right that they could split carries amongst all three of them um, with Brita McKinnon and, and Alfred Morris. And Al, I mean, do you think that they're kind of playing this like they're playing the wide receiver group? Like it's not necessarily going to be one guy that beats you. It'll just be the, the hot guy or the open guy or the guy that's getting getting the most yardage. You, do you feel like they're kind of trying to foster that same sort of competition amongst running backs? I don't think there was that intention when they signed McKinnon and, and going into the training camp, but I almost feel it could be that way now just because Morris, I mean, Shanahan obviously really likes Alfred Morris. He's familiar mm-hmm. with him, but with the injuries and the uncertainties, it, it, it could be, especially if Morris comes in and, and, and does well. Again, you have to look at week one where McKinnon and Brita haven't played. So it could be mm-hmm. a situation where even if those guys are healthy and ready to go, you're still going to see a decent amount of Morris just because they want to ease McKinnon and Brita back in. So if Morris comes in and he looks like he did the, in week th- three of the preseason and he's running really well, they're not going to take the ball out of his hands. So it's just there's it's it's funny because everything looks so cut and dry a month, month and a half ago, whatever it was, and now just running backs completely blown up for me. Yeah, and it's it, I, I actually like it. I like the fact that there's competition at all these positions because it shows that the team is getting better. They weren't really at that spot last year. Like we knew that Carlos Hyde was getting the, going to be the running back. Matt Breda was the undrafted rookie. Nobody really expected anything out of him. But I, but I really enjoy looking at these running backs. I, I mean, I like watching all of them play. They all have their own strengths, and I think they all can add to the to the the playbook, and that enables Kyle Shanahan to run more plays. And at the end of the day, that's what that means: is that Kyle Shanahan can expand the playbook, and I think that's not a bad thing. With regard to who who gets the first crack, I think honestly, I think it's going to be Jarek McKinnon. That's going to get the going to get the start at the beginning because they didn't pay him all that money to be sharing carries and being a backup. I think what's going to happen is that McKinnon will get the bulk of the carries, 
and you'll see Brita and Alfred Morris splitting the rest of them. And maybe Alfred Morris will start as like a situational back. And as he gets more comfortable in the offense and they'll, they'll evaluate him and see how he does. And they may give him more carries. But what's interesting to note is that this may only be like a two week thing because with Ruben Foster out, they have an extra roster spot. That's why they're able to do this. They weren't, they wouldn't have been able to do this if Ruben Foster wasn't suspended for the first two games of the season. So what they're probably going to do is try it for two weeks and then reevaluate after two weeks and see who they're going to get rid of. May not be a running back. It may be, you know, maybe like a linebacker or a defensive back. But I really think that the reason why they, they're doing this now is really to kick the tires on Alfred Morris and see if he can be a contributor down the line. You know what else I think he could be is your red zone back. When they're yeah. inside the five-yard line, you may mm-hmm. see him even, you know, late in the season, the guy that they put in for, for the touchdowns because McKinnon and Breed aren't, aren't that big. And also, um, mm-hmm. just thinking with the running backs really quick too, I wanted to bring up a use check before we move on. And I like seeing him with, you know, I think he had two catches I, 21 yards, I think it was in that week three preseason game. I like him moving the chains. I really, really do. I like to see him with those catches. I like to see Garoppolo going to him and moving the chains because that's where his value is on this team is catching those intermediate passes and, you know, getting the first down on third and six and that sort of thing. So I was happy to see that. Um, very, and, very similar to Tom. Sorry, uh, sorry to cut you off. Very similar to Tom Rathman, huh? Like not in the way that yeah, they run, that Rathman was a lot bigger, but how he catches the ball, very similar. Yeah. It, it's it's fun to see that in the 49ers offense again, isn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Where's the same number too, old 44. And yeah. it just adds another element of, uh, you know, another, another weapon for them to go to. And I, I love it. I love it. When, when he leaked out in that, in, in that game, you know, last week when he leaked out to the flat and he was wide open and Jimmy was able to find him and he had that big gain ended up near the goal line. That's exactly what I want. I want him to be that safety valve to be that reliable sort of receiver that Jimmy can throw to if, the, if he's in trouble. That's exactly what I want out of him. Yeah. All right, so so far we have pretty much the same roster. Let's go to receivers, and I agree with you. It's going to be uh, sort of who's open <laughs> in terms of who the main mm-hmm. receiver is, but it was good to see Garcon get involved, even if the long catch he did have was intended for Goodwin. But I have Garcon, Goodwin, Pettis, Taylor. Those are the four lock blocks definitely happening. Then I see Kendrick Bourne and Richie James. Those are my six. And there are two guys who are NFL players and tough to leave off in Aaron Burbridge and Eldrick Robinson. But I see those two guys are the ones that they let go. And I know some people disagree with that. And I'm not even sure. I thought Kendrick Bourne was 100% lock. I don't even know if he is anymore, but I still think he's going to make the team. I don't, you know, I think he's been pushed. One of the guys who's been pushed by some of the, you know, by Robinson and Burbridge, but I, I believe he'll make it. So those are my six receivers there. I think that, so I said this um, a couple of shows ago with regard to Burbridge. He's one of those guys that uh, is, is just a special teams guy. And while he's pretty good at that position, John Lynch has come out openly and said that he wants guys that can, that can also play other positions too, that they can jump in on offense or defense if there are injuries or if they're, you know, if, if they need an extra spark. So I think I agree. I think Burbridge is, is going to be left off the roster. Um, the top, the top guys are, are agreed. They're untouchable. Garcon, Goodwin, Taylor, Pettis, those, those guys, nobody's going to touch those guys. Those guys are all, uh, capable, capable receivers, even though Pettis is just a rookie. But if you, have you, have you seen Dante Pettis on punt returns, by the way? Like he's oh, just, yeah. he's just electric. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Gonna, he's going to make some plays there. He's going to, he's going to change the momentum in some games at that position. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's, he's one of those guys that like the, the billing lived up to the, he, he's living up to the hype as a punt returner. 
like he's able to find creases where you really can't see any. And I know it's just preseason, but it's not like he's lost out there. He looks pretty comfortable returning the ball. And I think that, that because of that, obviously, you know, he, he was going to make the team anyways, the second round pick, but because of that, the 49ers wanted him even more because special teams can flip field position. It can get you those easy points. It can kind of turn around your, your offense and get you from being pinned inside of your own 10 to being outside of the 30. Even though it's in your, in your own territory, there's a big difference in that field position. So, I, you know, as an aside, Dante Pettis, I think, has been great so far. Now, beyond that, Richie James, I don't see how you can leave him off the roster. He's been so good in preseason. Like, he started the first game in the slot when Trent Taylor wasn't able to play. That should tell you a lot. That should tell you that they have high hopes for him. And he caught a nice pass from Jimmy Garoppolo, got open for a first down, and it seems like he's already in sync. And I think that that's one of those guys that before before the season started, he was one of my favorites out of, the, out of the entire draft class because they got huge value for him in the seventh round. And I think that he's he fits that sort of role that Kyle Shanahan wants, the guy that can run the entire route tree. He'll go over the middle. He'll make catches. He can get, get open in short spaces. So I think Richie James definitely makes the team. And Kendrick Bourne, he's, the, the Niners are pretty high on him. They think that he... He can really be a, a good receiver in this league. And, and I think that with Pierre Garcon, they have an out next year in the contract. Maybe everybody can move one spot up on the depth chart if Garcon is gone next year. And Kendrick Bourne, they're expecting big things out of him. I, I just don't think that Aldrick Robinson has done enough to push Bourne or Richie James. I don't think that him or Burbridge have done enough. I, I think that this group is, is pretty solid with the top six. Uh, and, and you're probably going to see those six guys come, come the regular season. Yeah, agree. And I think it's going to be a good group as well. And you'll see more Garcon as the season goes on. But I'm still going to say it. Marquise Goodwin is their number one receiver. I really believe that. I think he's going to have just a fantastic season. He's got the report mm-hmm. with Garoppolo, and he's, 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 I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Now, moving to the tight ends, I think we know Kittle and Salik are locks, right? Mm-hmm. My third t- tight end, I think Hikitini, as much as I pull for him, we've had him on the show. He's a good guy. I really believe that he's played himself off this roster with the drop in week three, with the drop in week four. Don't think he's going to make it. So I said, oh, originally I had Cole Wick written down as the third tight end. Now I'm going to say the third tight end is going to be Ross Dwelly. It's going to be Ross, third tight, third tight Ross. end. Uh, Ross Dwelly. He had a catch for 21 yards in week four of the preseason, and I think is an upset. He is the third tight end. Yeah, they're saying that George Kittle should be healthy. John Lynch said that he, he should be ready to go for the Minnesota game. And I'm hoping that's the case because Kittle is a little bit more sure-handed than, than Hikatini is. And Hikatini, he has, he has an athletic mismatch, but I just, if you're a tight end, you're like, you're basically like the safety valve. You have to be able to catch the ball. You have to be able to catch the ball in traffic. You're going to get hit over the middle. You have to be able to hold on to it. Like you can't, you can't just be dropping passes. And I think that, Unfortunately, with Hikatini, like he was hurt most of last year and spent time on the practice squad and didn't really get a chance. He had a chance to show it this preseason, and, and he kind of quite literally dropped the ball. So I don't necessarily think that they're they're totally off of him. I think that he can still make the team, but I think that right now his roster spot is in danger. I, I'm I'm still putting him on the team. I still sorry, think Cole. You're gonna leave him on. Make yeah. The team. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna right, leave so him on because. All right, so tight end is the one difference we have. You have Hikatini and I have Dwelly. <laughs> All right. We can't agree on everything, right? So Yeah, uh, you know, no, it's, it's good. It's a boring good. show. Because apparently apparently we're boring, right? That the the we want to we want to um we want to spice it up a little bit. 
Oh, we'll go, oh yeah, I forgot. I was I was gonna get in. I'll get into that at the end of the show. Yeah, that person <laughs> took the comment down that fired me up, but I'm I, we'll get into that on the show. All right. Anyway, so yeah, um, Kittle, and I've given the stat on the show before, but I'll give it again. So you look at rookie seasons for tight ends. Kittle had more yards receiving in his rookie year than Jordan Reed did in his Zach Ertz, Greg Olson, Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham, Vernon Davis. He had more receiving yards than any of those other guys did in their rookie seasons. Uh, Rob Gronkowski had 546 in Kittle in his rookie year, and Kittle had 515. And Kittle had 43 receptions, which was second for all rookie tight ends last year. Kittle's going to have a big year, and if he's healthy, he's going to be a huge part of this offense. I think he's a 65-ish catch tight end this year. Really do, when he could have 700, maybe even 800 yards and eight touchdowns. He's a red zone guy. To me, I I think he's going to be – I I know they went to Selleck quite a bit last year in the red zone, but I, I can see Garoppolo really feeding Kittle the ball down there and Shanahan dialing up some plays for him. Yeah, I think Garrett, so Garrett Selleck, uh, to that point, he had the most touchdowns in the red zone last year. He had four, and that's not a huge amount, but he did lead the team in red zone touchdowns. So I think that they're probably going to try to slowly phase him out because he is getting older and he's one of those, he's one of those few Harbaugh guys that are still left. So that gives you an idea of how long he's been around. So I think that they'll, they'll probably, probably start phasing him out, probably start giving Kittle the ball more. You'll see um, more sort of plays drawn up for George, specifically George Kittle. He, he turned into a pretty reliable receiver towards the end of the season. Specifically, I remember that Jacksonville game. He, he ran a really nice route on the goal line where he, uh, it was kind of like, just like he was going towards the middle of the field, just jab set back towards the sideline. And uh, he, was, he was wide open for a, for a touchdown. Jimmy hit him. Uh, you know, he's, he's really kind of coming into his own. He didn't have a great first half of the year, but as soon as Jimmy came in, everything kind of changed. And you could, you could say that for the entire team, but they really were able to kind of showcase Kittle's ability. And even the play that, uh, that he got hurt on in the preseason, you know, he was, he was open. Like he had beaten both defenders. It's just that Jimmy threw the ball a bit long and, uh, and, and Kittle wasn't able to come down with it. So I think he has that athletic ability. He, he runs like Delaney Walker, He's six foot four, so he's got the size, and and I think the only knock on him is that he could be a better blocker. But those are things that you can learn. Like Vernon Davis wasn't a great blocker when he first came in the league, and he turned out to be one of the best blocking tight ends the 49ers have ever had. Yeah. So I think that with Kittle, they they see a lot of the same thing. Obviously, the same number as Vernon Davis too, right? Eighty five, but but um, he's he's like the X factor to me in this offense. If George Kittle can get going, this offense is really really gonna gonna beat some people. Definitely agree on that. And Kittle, yeah, I think I think he's 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 growing. He's going to become a better blocker. He's going to become a better receiver. He's he's definitely growing. I agree with that one hundred percent. I'm I'm excited about him. I really am. I think Pro Bowl type talent with Shanahan. All right, offensive line. I have state. Well, Eric, let's leave. Eric Magnuson's going to go on IR. So put that yeah. out there. He's he'll they'll put him on IR and probably designated to return. He'll be back eventually. And I think he'll have a role on the team. But until then. Staley, McGlinchey, and then I had Gilliam as the backup tackle. Garnett, Tomlinson, Cooper, and Person. I think they all make it. And then the center is Richburg. And I know that Person is locked into, well, not locked in, but he looks like he's ahead in the competition for starting guard. And he'll probably start the season that way. But I really do believe that Garnett's going to take that over. And I've said it before, one, I'm openly rooting for Garnett because the Niners have him locked in. He's signed. He's young. You want him to win the guard spot. You want him to take mm-hmm. control of that position because then you have an answer there for the next two, three years. So the biggest thing that can happen to me is Garnett continue to develop. And I think he's played pretty well. 
continue to develop and take a stranglehold on that guard spot. Other than that, you know, you hope Richburg can stop with penalties. He's had some bad penalties, but I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a nice center in this offense. Staley, Staley. The other two guys, I'm kind of like, let's see what happens is Tomlinson, just because he's got to prove that he can do it to me over a full season. And McGlinchey, there's just going to be ups and downs. He's a rookie. I, I like the pick. I like him as a player. I think he showed some good things this preseason, but he's also looked like a rookie at times this preseason. So there's going to be some ups and downs there, but that is my offensive line. The biggest question to me is that right side, the offensive line, because A, you really don't know who's going to start at guard. Like you said, you think it may be person. Jonathan Cooper is, I believe he's recovering from a knee injury. He, it's that same uh, knee that he had uh, an injury with last year, I believe. And Garnett, he played well. He did, he did play really well. And I think that that's, that hopefully will translate into more production uh, when he gets a chance during the season. But really, has he shown enough? during the preseason to win that roster spot. He's been, he's been hurt for part of it. He got called out by Kyle Shanahan early on in, in training camp. And we, we really don't know what they're thinking with, with that guard position. Like he's, he was supposed to be more of a road grader running sort of uh, running game sort of guard. You're trying to transform in, into a zone blocking guard. And it's, it's a, it's a complicated scheme to learn and it's not easy. McGlinchey, I think McGlinchey's been okay. I think he's been he's been holding his own. Like like you said, he's been he's been looking like a rookie at sometimes, but I think that for the most part, he hasn't been terrible. He's been pretty good. He's been like reliable on on the on the right side. He hasn't been hurt, and I think that's pretty much all you want out of out of your rookie right tra- rookie right tackle. Lake and Tomlinson looked a lot better when Garoppolo played last year. They seem to have a good chemistry with Tomlinson online, and Joe Staley's like the stalwart. He's one of the best left tackles like the 49ers have ever had, if not the best. So I think the the, and, and Richburg, like you said, is consummate pro. He's, he's basically built for a passing offense. He's one of the best pass blocking centers in the league. His problem is just, is just got to stay di- disciplined. And I really think that the, the reason why is because he kind of has a nasty streak among uh, about him. And that's kind of why they, they also wanted to sign him too. They wanted a, a few mean guys on the offensive line to protect Jimmy, but it's, it's kind of starting to round out now. And, it, and it's not a group that I'm, terribly confident about that they're going to be dominant. I think that they'll be good enough. And I think that they'll probably have to, to revisit adding more talent this off season. But for now, like at least you don't have guys that, that won't be on an NFL roster that are starting like we've had in years past. Like all of these guys can, can play on an NFL roster. And I think that that's, that's going to go a long way and keep Jimmy, Jimmy healthy. Like there's no Zane Beatles on this offensive line this year. Right. It's like, a good point. No, yeah. There's no gun. Yep there's no guy like that on the offensive line this year. Like you won't see that this year and you've got get backups that are, that are capable of playing, right? Like Gary Gilliam was, was starter at, at one point. Um, and Jonathan Cooper, whoever, whoever doesn't win that guard spot, they've all of those guys have been starters except for my person. So I think that the depth is better than the years before, but the, there's no clear cut gap between some of the first and second guys. Yeah, and it's going to be important how that line develops. And, you know, you win games in the trenches. And on the other side of the ball, I really like what they have in the trenches on the defensive line other than that outside pass rusher position. Now listen to this stat. In the the first three preseason games, the Niners' run defense allowed 258 yards on 88 attempts. That's 2.93 yards per carry. That is outstanding. Outstanding. And it's not just Buckner, and it's not just Armstead, and it's not just Thomas. It's DJ Jones and Julian Taylor and Sheldon Day. These guys are loaded. And, and before I give my roster picks, I want to say I was 
thrilled with the way Solomon Thomas looked in week three of the preseason. I thought he looked disruptive. I thought he looked fast off the ball. You could say, oh, he's playing against the Colts. I, I don't care. I don't care. He looked terrific to me. And that's a great sign for the Niners. And people will, I understand he was a number three pick and you want impact there. And we said the same thing. Is he going to give you enough impact at to picking him at that position? We, you and I were said it on the show. We don't know if he can do that. But he is what he is, and to me, he looked really good, and I think he's going to be a good player, and you have to be patient with defensive linemen because it takes time. And he looks so good to me, and I really feel like he's going to be a disruptive force, and it, him and Buckner are going to just give opposing defenses nightmare, or opposing offenses, I should say, nightmares on the inside. So my guys for the defensive line, Buckner, Thomas, thought about taking Earl Mitchell off the roster, but I, I think they're going to keep him. Eric Armstead, Cassius Marsh, DJ Jones, Sheldon Day, Itachu, Julian Taylor, and I put Dakota Watson in with this group too. I also had Ronald Blair in with an asterisk, asterisk and, and I'll tell you why um, at, the, when we, at the end when we get, get done with the roster. But this, this is going to be, it's going to be a terrific defensive line in terms of stopping the run. I don't think anybody's running on this team. I, I really don't. I think they're going to be terrific at stopping the run all season. Question is, can they get to the quarterback? Nick Buckner and Thomas will. I do, and I even think Armstead will put on some pressure. But who is going to get to the quarterback from the edge? And I have zero, I'm sorry, zero faith in Mars and Itachu. I know Itachu had some pretty nice plays, and he looked disruptive. It's not that I have zero faith in them at all. They're going to have good games. They're going to have good moments. For them to be consistent throughout the entire year, I don't see it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope people are tweeting at me in week five being, you know, Allie, you're an idiot. You know, look at Tachi Marshall. I hope so. I really do. I really hope so. I don't see it. And I think that's going to be the Achilles heel of this team. I think it's going to cost them games. And at the end of the year, if they're nine and seven and they miss the playoffs or, or, or whatever, eight and eight, even if they're 10 and six and miss the playoffs, I believe the difference is going to be that they didn't have that disruptive player off the edge that, we always say NFL games, sometimes it's two or three plays that can win or lose your game. If they don't have a guy that can be disruptive off the edge, it's going to cost them at some point, especially with a lot of the QBs they have to play. In this league, you have to be able to throw the ball and, and, and rush the passer right now. They can throw the ball. I don't know if they're going to be able to rush the passer. They're going to have to show me that. So as much as I love the guys on the inside, the guys on the edge in, in the um, nickel package scare me. In a way, it's um, I'm like a tad disappointed with the pass rush because what was the biggest problem last year? It was, they couldn't get to the quarterback. They couldn't, right. they couldn't generate sacks. They were generating pressure. Like DeForest Buckner had, I believe he had 20 quarter, 20 plus quarterback hits, which is like an unreal amount. First of all, for an interior defender. And second of all, the fact that he only had three sacks out of that, I, I can't believe he only had three sacks out of that. Like usually if you get a guy with that many quarterback hits, he's sitting up around eight to 10 sacks. And if he and if he does that again this year, I fully expect him to get to ten sacks. So I think that they they have to rely on more than just like Defoe getting pressure up the middle. They have to get pressure from the outside. And and I don't think they did enough to add edge rushers. Like I really don't. Atachi was like he's never really had like a like a full time starting role. He was buried on depth chart in San Diego behind granted two really good rushers with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, but he he really didn't get a chance out there. We really don't know what he has. Same thing with Marsh. He's kind of been a platoon player, never really started uh, an extended period of time. And really beyond that, like who, who do you have at edge rusher? You really, they traded the Eli Herald and they don't really have another, another player after that. That's why 
this whole Khalil Mack stuff makes a, a lot of sense on a lot of levels because that's that's where they really need need help. Like I don't I don't really see them getting too much pressure in the preseason. That's the the alarming thing to me. Yes, it's only preseason, but the first team has not gotten pressure off the edge in the preseason. They haven't, and they, that's really becoming a glaring issue because. Again, if you if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, you have to blitz. You have to start blitzing players, and when you do that, you take guys out of coverage, and it allows the quarterback to expose mismatches. So I, they they just can't rely on blitzing guys the entire time. So um, one thing I did notice out is is during the games in the preseason, Robert Sala he he, he really hasn't blitzed much. Like he's brought some pressure, but it's usually with like the third string, second or third string guys. Like the first string guys, like he's basically rushing for. He wants to see what he can get out of them. He he wants to see these edge rushers, what they can do, but he's not really bringing extra pressure. When I, and I kind of appreciate that because now you know you know what you have and you know what you need to address. And hopefully during this next offseason, they can address that. But you still have to keep yourself to play a full season to get there. And with the guys that they have now, I just like I, I'm I'm hopeful that they can get something out of them. But I don't think either of these guys is going to be like a like a ten to twelve sack guy. Like this, it's way, asking way too much. I mean, they may have ten sacks between them at most, but I, I think that the majority of your pressure is going to come up the middle. And the the D line is probably the deepest unit on this team. Like they have so much talent on that defensive line. From obviously DeForest Buckner, who's who's definitely like if they don't if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl this year and, and he have and he has a good year, I just I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I mean, he's he's just so good and so underrated. Um, and and Solomon Thomas has been really really good. Like his pass rush skills have have taken a leap, and he's definitely creating pressure. He's creating way more pressure than he did last year. And it seems like he understands the game more and understands his role more. And if you put him next to Buckner, I think that they could be a really, really big force up the middle and generate a ton of pressure up the middle. And I hope that's where they put him. Um, Sheldon Day was a really nice pickup last year. He provides great depth. He's really good against the run. Earl Mitchell, again, really good against the run. Uh, you've got Julian Taylor, who filled in for Armstead, and immediately he made an impact. And I don't think it's like a Marcus Rush type of impact. Like You remember Marcus Rush, right? Yeah, I agree. He's not, he's not a flash-in-the-pan yeah. preseason guy. I agree. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that will have a lasting impact and that you can count on. So I think that he'll push if Eric Armstead doesn't doesn't really flash, I think Julian Taylor is going to push him to playing time. Like I really do. Because this is kind of a make it break it year for Eric Armstead and, and the talent was, you know, he flashes raw talent, but at some point you have to turn that into production. Talk speaking of Armstead. So I, I think that it's the deepest unit on the team, but I think that very quickly you'll see them settle on a rotation of guys that they want and a rotation of guys that will work for them. All right, moving to linebacker. Foster obviously is not on this list because he's suspended for the first two games, so he'll be back on in, in week three. Linebackers, Fred Warner, Welcome Smith, Brock Coyle. I think those are locks. And then I put our buddy Pita Tompenu on here because I like Pita. He was a good guy, and I think he, he's, he's flashed a little bit, enough where the Niners would want to stick with him anyway. And then Mark, and I'm going to probably butcher his last name, uh, Niziocha. How do you say his last name? I always butcher it. Um, you don't, you don't have to say it either, Mark, do you? Yeah. All right, let's call, let's call. I, I'm, I apologize, Mark, for butchering your last name, but those are the linebackers. And a cu- couple things to react on here. One, Fred Warner. Some dude you just watch, and you're like, that guy stands out. Fred mm-hmm. Warner stands out. Dude is fast, fast. Mm-hmm. When he's on the field, I notice him. You know, you can just tell he he's got sideline to sideline speed. He he's gonna make some plays for the Niners. I, 
they're going to find ways to get him on, on the field this year. He'll, he'll be the middle linebacker to start out. It looks like, and I, I don't see, I think he's going to play so well. The Niners can't take him off the field. I think you're going to see Warner and Foster for the next, you know, five years or whatever playing next to each other and playing really well. I just, I love his game. And the other thing I wanted to react on here was they, you trade your Sam, your starter at Sam. I know Sam linebacker isn't on the field a ton because you're in nickel so much and in mm. sub packages so much with, with the way the NFL is played now, but they trade Harold for basically nothing. And you're replacing him with guys who have zero career starts. Basically. I just thought it was weird. And I feel like maybe there's something else coming. And that was kind of where my, my, um, Ronald Blair was, I, I don't know that he'll make the team. I kind of feel that the last spot on the 53 is going to be maybe a guy who's not in the roster yet. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. else who gets cut from another team or maybe a trade that they can work out. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Sam linebacker. We'll wait and see what happens there. And uh, I, I thought it would be Elvis Dumerville for a second. but Oh, yeah. Retired, oh, I'm glad you mentioned him. I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah, I was going to, I wanted to say, sorry not to interrupt you, but I want to say congratulations to him on his retirement. And when we were talking about the pass rush, I was going to mention that it drives me crazy that they did not him, bring him back because he could have helped in a situational role. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. 100, 100 plus sacks and one of the best pass rushers you know of all time. Like he, he was an undersized guy and he got the most out of his athletic ability. So, Congratulations to Elvis. He was a great. He, I mean, for the time that he was here, I think he was he was a, a great 49er, and I, I would have loved to him have him back on the team. But uh, like, I think that right now that's that spot. There's a reason why they opened that spot up, and like they wouldn't just trade Eli Hill, Eli Harrell for no reason. I think that they they have somebody in mind that they want to either promote from their own practice squad, or maybe Peta is going to take a big step forward, or maybe some other guy that they have an inkling is going to get cut. Maybe they can pick you know pick that guy up from another another team. I think that. This this front office, from what we know of them, they're always kind of thinking one step ahead. They don't really fly by the seat of their pants like the previous regime did. They they have a, a much better plan and they have a, a scheme that they want to that they want to fit players into. So there may be an upcoming free agent that they that they have their eye on. There may be some trade that they can they can swing. But it's it's odd to me too that they really don't have a plan at Sam. I just think that maybe they, they might try to fill that with the existing roster spot, like maybe some somebody on their team that can fill that. Um, but like you said, with increasing three and four wide receiver sets, the Sam is not going to be on the field very much. So maybe they thought that they could have one less Sam to be able to add like, you know, one more running back, for example, or one more, one maybe one more receiver or one more defensive back. Like maybe that's what they're doing is that they'll they'll be able to to have one more skill player and take um, a linebacker off the field. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, and I think that Ruben Foster, again, one of my favorite 49ers, I think that he, if he can stay healthy, he had a concussion the last game. He just got to be able to stay healthy. Fred Warner, like this guy is, is just awesome. Like he jumps out on the tape. He, he is fundamentally sound. Like he is quick to the ball. He, is he's only been playing linebacker for basically like a year. He was a converted safety at BYU. Like he, he was playing that hybrid down Buchanan, like cam chancellor, like safety role where you're in the box. And this is a new position for him. And he's, he's believe it or not, Al, like he's never played this position before. So mm-hmm. like he's, he looks like he's played it his entire life. So yeah, he, he's you know, that he's play. absolutely. And with Malcolm Smith kind of not, you know, being healthy and, and not playing at all in preseason, like you, you really have to think like, all right, are they going to are they going to put Fred Warner in the middle and put Reuben Foster beside him and then and then you know think of Plan B instead of Malcolm Smith? Yeah, 
All right, cornerbacks. I have Richard Sherman, Witherspoon, Quan Williams, uh, Tavarius Moore, Jimmy Ward, and Greg Maybin. And reacting here, obviously, we hope Sherman is 80% of what he was because he'll be a terrific corner. couple points I want to make here. They're going to throw at Witherspoon a lot because you don't throw at Sherman, right? Nobody really throws at Sherman. If, if Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman, they're not throwing at him. So mm-hmm. Witherspoon's going to get, quote-unquote, picked on. As a young corner, he's going to give up some plays. He's also going to make some plays. Witherspoon is a good player, and he's going to be a very good corner. I don't want to hear this year like, oh, Witherspoon, he's garbage, or they're picking on him. He is going to get thrown at so much because Sherman's on the other side. There are going to be ups and downs to him anyway because he's a young player. But there's going to be some good plays. There's going to be some bad plays. He's a guy you've got to be patient with because eventually it's going to be worth it. But expect him to get thrown at a lot. Expect him to give up some plays because there's going to be volume there at him. And the other point I want to make is this Jimmy Ward thing. Has he played well this preseason? Nope. <laughs> he doesn't look good really to mm-hmm. me at all. But they're playing him a lot of guaranteed money unless they could find a, a, a really good trade for him. I don't see him be trading for him. He's going to be on the team, and he's going to play a role as a utility guy and as a backup. If Sherman goes down or Witherspoon goes down or Williams goes down, there's nothing but youth. You know, Tavarius Moore is young. I, don't, I think he's going to be a good player too, but he's not ready to come in and play right away. So you need Ward out there to be consistent. You need him to fill in if anyone gets hurt. He's going to be important on this team. So I know a lot of people don't like Jimmy Ward and want him gone, but I, I, I think you need to kind of get in his corner in the sense that he's an important part of the team. And, and Shanahan was asked on the conference call about Ward, and he said he loves Ward as a player, and he feels his injuries have been more unfortunate than anything else. I mean, a guy like that who's been injured that much, I, you know, I think it's, it's – I don't know if I'd call it unfortunate. It's kind of a theme with that, but – Listen, he's an important to the Niners, and as a 49ers fan, you have to hope that he can be good this year because he's going to play some kind of a role. And Jimmy Ward is pretty much on this team just because he has that cap figure. I, I feel like they are like, all right, he's a $9 million cap hit, so we should probably make try to get something out of him, and he can he does have versatility to play safety or corner, so I think that that's another plus. But I think this is undoubtedly, like unless he unless something drastic happens, this will be his last year with the team. And uh, he won't make it to that that second that second contract. And as an aside, Al, if you if you notice, there how many of Trent Balky's picks have made have gotten a second contract from the Forty ers The first round picks, none of them. Think about that for a second. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Buckner will, but um, Buckner will. But yeah, that's yeah, it. that's like, it, right? Yeah. The, the twenty ten guys, Anthony Davis out of football. Upati didn't get a second contract. He went to the Cardinals. Alden Smith's out of football. AJ Jenkins out of football. Eric Reed's out of football. Jimmy Ward isn't going to get going to get a second contract. Armstead may not get a second con- contract. Um, and then you have Buckner who will. Garnett may not get a second contract. So it's just this is this has killed this team. Like those are the picks that you have to hit on. And a lot of these guys are high first round picks. Like you can't you you can't miss on those guys. So at least half. The, the fact that, half of them. Yeah, he hit on one. Yeah, exactly. Like. Exactly. You hit on one of them. That was, that was seven guys and you, you couldn't hit on more than one. Like I can't. So, you know, I'm not going to get into that, that whole rant. Like that's water under the bridge, but it just, it just irks me that that that's the situation right now. When I talk about guys like Jimmy Ward, like, and that's nothing against Jimmy Ward as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy, but, but as a player, like he just hasn't panned out. He's not worth that first round pick. And um, I think this will be his last year. Now regarding the other guys, obviously, as you said, Sherman Witherspoon and, and Williams are locks to make the team. I, I don't think Greg Maiman is going to make this team. I think DJ Reed is going to make this team. I, I do too, but I, 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 have, is, 
I have him at safety, but yeah, I, I probably should have put him in a corner. You're right. He's, he's going to make the team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. He, he can, he is actually the, the, so Dante Pettis was the first, the number one leading NCAA punt return last year. DJ Reed was number two. So he has that ability that John Lynch talks about to play multiple positions and special teams. So I think that DJ Reed, and he has a little bit of, 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 of swagger about him. If you watch him play, he's always getting into scuffles and things like that. He plays, he's a little guy, he's like five, nine, but he, he plays bigger than his size. And I think that he can spell Kawan Williams in the slot there and be able to, to play in multiple wide receiver sets when there are four receivers on the field. You can put DJ Reed on the fourth receiver and, and feel confident about that. Um, I think Tavarius Moore is probably going to platoon at safety as well. Like he'll be one of those guys like Jimmy Ward that can play both. And I don't think that you'll really have like, like a, a backup safety per se. I think you'll have guys that can play both corner and safety. Um, and I think that's because you need the range at safety. Unless you have, uh, unless you have them playing that Jaquaski Tart role where he's in the box, but for free safety, you definitely need the range, and it's going to be probably like more that's that's going to be backing up. Um, that's going to be backing up uh, Colbert. Yeah, the way I did it, so I, I broke out with those six safeties, and then I'm sorry, six corners, and then I headed safety, obviously Tart and Colbert, and then I put Tyvis Powell and DJ Reed as like quote unquote backup safeties but i think i agree with you those guys i mean tart and colbert are going to play safety but powell and reed interchangeable and that's kind of what it is and i agree with you. i love dj reed um absolutely love him i think he's going to be a starter on this team sooner than later whether it's in the mm-hmm. slot or, or whatever um but i think he's he was a, a great pick and you know, the nine are getting those late round picks that they just keep bringing in look good and tart and colbert i i really like their game i hope they can stay on the field because if mm-hmm. they can or they get hurt while again, while we like the talent there, if the Niners are playing without those two guys, they're in trouble. I mean, yeah. I still think Jimmy Ward would be the first person to go in at, at maybe at either position, but if the Niners don't have those two guys on the field, they're in trouble. They need Tyron Colbert to stay healthy. Yeah, I think that they they really, really are relying on those two guys to stay healthy because there's really no plan B behind those guys. Like there's no, like, who do you, who's the backup if Colbert goes down? Like Tarverius Moore, who was playing safety in college. They actually, we had a conversation, um, I believe after the draft about where he would play. And, and we heard that he would play at corner. Now his natural position is safety. And I think that's the natural fit, but they want a bigger corner and he's, he's a bigger athlete and he, he's like an athletic freak. So they wanted, they wanted to try him at corner, but I really think that his natural position will be at safety. And at some point they'll, they'll probably have him back up safety. So it's just a matter of being able to get Colbert and Tart through an entire season. Um, Colbert played most of last season. Like he, he didn't start the season at safety last season. So he kind of, we don't, you know, we don't really know if he can make it through, but Tart has repeatedly gotten hurt. And, and that's kind of alarming to me. Like I want him to be able to get through a full season because he does have talent. And that interception against Carolina last year where he made that one-handed catch, I mean, that's that shows off his athleticism and he shows that he's a player. So I think that obviously the starters are set. The backups to me are, are is it's more that's going to be backing up probably both spots and, and Jimmy Ward will probably back up at safety, a free safety. Yeah, we'll see how, the, how they play that because so many of those guys are, are interchangeable. All right, last three, and I think that's 53. I don't know if it's not. You can add somebody on your own. But um, kicker <laughs> Gould, obviously, Pinion's the punter. Long snapper will be Nelson. And the only other thing I wanted to hit on was in terms of the roster, you mentioned Pettis at punt returner. And that's going to be, I don't know if Pettis is going to bring out receiver this year. 
because he's looked mm-hmm. good in flashes. He's dropped some balls, and it's really tough for rookie receivers. It's really tough for rookie receivers. So we'll see how he does this year on that side of the ball. But in terms of special teams, I think he's going to be a stud in the return game. And I think he's okay. going to put the Niners in some great field position. I think he's going to break one or two this year. He is a freak athletically. He is tough to tackle. He is fast. I can't, Dan, I can't, I can't wait to see him return kicks this year. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to see Trent Taylor returning punts this year. Nope. Nope. Not like it's going to be Pettis. It's going to be DJ Reed and it's going to be Richie James. Those three will most likely share the punt return duties. Um, it just depends on how tired Pettis gets. Like, See, see, the one thing that I, I really empathize with the rookies on is that they don't really get an off season. They don't really get any time off to let their bodies heal because they finish their season and some of these guys play well into the end of the year with their bowl games and everything. And right away, you have to get ready for the combine, which is in February. So they don't really get any time off to let their bodies heal. And if they've had like bumps and bruises and nicks and things like that, that, that take multiple weeks to heal, like muscle strains and things like soft tissue injuries, like they they don't really have enough time between the combine and the end of the season. So really they've been on overdrive for like basically the last 12 months. And you really don't get to see what they can really do until year two when they've had like a full NFL off season and they've had a year to get the nutrition and lifting and all of that stuff that you get with an NFL team. And I really think that that's why partially some guys are harder to evaluate and receiver is one of those, right? Where they're not used to having so much of a workload. And I think that because of that, Dante Pettis will probably, he will probably spend most of his time on punt returns. You'll see him in multi, multi wide receiver sets, but the top three, like how often are the 49ers going to bring a fourth receiver on the field with, with the weapons that they have, especially with George Kittle at tight end and use check at fullback, you know, like they're, they're probably not going to throw a ton of balls Dante Pettis's way. He'd probably have like 20 to 30 catches, but I think that next year is going to be the really, like that's going to be the breakout season for Pettis because Pierre Garcon may be, may be on the way out. And, and that could be Dante Pettis' spot. So um, the return game is in good hands no matter what. Like you've got three guys that, that are capable that can return. And for sure, it's going to be Pettis and then DJ Reed. And then after that, I think that because Richie James, like he, he does add that extra element, he can return kickoffs too. Richie James will be the next guy after that. And obviously, um, Raheem Mostert can also return kickoffs too. Yeah, a lot of depth there as well. All right, before we go, I did say so. Zane mentioned earlier about... Uh, some reviews we got and listen 99.5 percent of the, the feedback we get 49ers fans are awesome you guys have been mm-hmm. so supportive to the show and to me and to zane and seriously like i wish i wish i lived out there and could be more people and have a beer with people and you know being on the east coast i don't meet too many niners fans but we're so appreciative of everybody and and i i, I do I, I think 49ers fans are the best fans in the world just awesome and supportive and everything else so We've gotten a few, you know, negative comments on on the podcast, which everybody does, and I don't really read into. It. I don't, you know, I don't care. Um, people are more, you know, if you don't like us, fine. I, you know, it's not it's not a big deal. But for some reason, I I I, I think it was Friday. I randomly checked our our iTunes account, and I saw a negative review that gave us one star. And I'm like, I read the review, and it pissed me off so much. And I'm saying to myself, like, because I usually, again, I, I you know just rubs off my shoulder. I don't care, but I was so mad. And I'm like, why am I pissed? Why am I so pissed about this? And so the review basically said, well, well, first what, what Jay and I talked about, were like in, I think Dylan D Simone, our buddy Dylan was the one who said, you guys should do like a, like a Jimmy Kimmel mean tweets thing, you know, where you read like the bad reviews. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good idea. So I was thinking of doing that. We would just read them. 
Um, and, but there aren't even enough of them to read. I think there's only like two. So this particular comment, which which maybe the person read my tweet after I tweeted it because they took it down, and obviously I'm not going to use a name or anything like that, but it gave us one star because we were whining about the preseason, so they had to turn it off. My issue with it was was here I had a couple issues with it. All right. The first one was we have a pretty big body of work. If you don't like our show at all, you can maybe say like, I don't like any of their shows, but to say like, Oh, I didn't like this one. I'm going to go and give them one star and like, you know, which hurts, you know, if you're looking at iTunes and you don't, you're not familiar with us and you look at it, you're like, Oh, it's one star. Maybe yeah, you hurt the show when you do that. If you don't like one show, dude, like give me a break. The other thing that, mm-hmm. that annoys me to no end is when people are like, well, it's preseason. So what are you talking about? It doesn't matter. Okay. So for, for two months, Zane and I will come on the show and say, hey, hey, the Niners had a game this week for this preseason. It doesn't matter. Talk to you next week. That's all we have to react to. What the hell else are we going to talk about right now? Zane and I aren't that interesting. You don't want to hear about our personal lives. What else are we going to talk about? <laughs> it's preseason. We have to react to preseason. It's our jobs. What do you tell Mayoko not to write about preseason because it's preseason? What else are we supposed to write about? You want to talk about what we think is going to happen for the re- in the regular season for two months? We're doing that the whole offseason. We have to react to preseason. So I understand preseason doesn't really mean anything. I don't really think it does either. But if we have to come on a show and talk about what the 49ers are doing, we have to talk about what we see in preseason. And if we don't like what we saw in the preseason game, we're going to talk about it. We're not just going to say, oh, it doesn't matter moving on because we'd have nothing to talk about. So it drove me nuts. I don't know why. I don't know why it pissed me off so much because I didn't care the next day that much. But for whatever reason in that moment, I was pissed. And let me say this too. Like I've I've said this numerous times on the podcast. There are so many good 49ers writers and people who do podcasts and things like that who really work hard and and really do a good job. Go follow some other teams, dude. We The Niners guys kill it compared to some of these other sites and everything else for other teams. Like nine, the guys who are doing this Niner stuff are doing awesome. And I said, most of the fans are really supportive and we appreciate that for some who want to tear people down, do what you're going to do. But I don't know, man, I was talking to you after and you know, I was like Zane <laughs> and you were like, hey, I think it's a big <laughs> deal. And I'm like, yeah, neither do I, but I'm fired up. So, and I think you were like, yeah, we have like four, 4.6 out of 5 on iTunes. And I was like, yeah, but that 0.4 can kiss my ass. Because whatever. <laughs> so I, I was pretty fired up about it. So, <laughs> Oh, man. I, I should read those messages between you and me that we were sending, dude. It was it was a pretty hilarious exchange. I mean, like, I have to say, I, there's not a lot of things. Like, for, for those of you who don't know Al, like, I've, I've known Al for, for almost almost two years now, actually. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we talk every, basically we talk every week, right. Because of the show and we talk in between oh, yeah. as well. So yep. like, you know, I've, I've gotten to know Al pretty well. And like, he's, he's really like, you know, casual and like really like chill and like, he's like monotone about a bunch of stuff. But like, like when something gets to him, like whether it's like Yankees baseball or like the Lakers or like, you know, something that happens with the Niners or a bad review on, on iTunes, like, it's just funny to hear Al like go off Cause you're, you're not used to hearing that. Right. It's like yeah. when, you, when you have that friend who's not, who doesn't get excited about stuff and all of a sudden you see them get excited. It's kind of like, you just want to step back and watch the show. So I was like, I was yeah. like half trying to like make you feel better and half like trying to like, just like kind of just step back and watch this. And I'm like, oh, let's see where this goes. And it was just, it was just really funny. And I think that I'm, I'm with you. Like a lot of our, our, you know, 99% of our fans and people that, that listen to the show are so great and we love interacting with you and even the ones that don't it's kind of fun to interact with those people too because it's like you're kind of trying to convert them 
and to, you know convert them to like the dark side and like they're like no 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 i don't want to do it and you're like yes do it and like it's it's fun to have that back and forth um i just you know all i ever say to people is just hey keep it respectful don't make it personal you know we do this we do this for your enjoyment um we we always love taking feedback from you from you guys and and anything that you think we should be doing on the show let us know and like you know we can integrate it and and we're we're not one of those shows that's like hey this is what we're doing and you you have to take it like no we're show for the fans like al you and i we're 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 trying to give to the fans what we would want out of a show that's the biggest thing i think that's that's the best way to put it is that this is what we would want as a fan to consume we're trying to give that to all of you so um it's funny and and it's one of those things where um you kind of have to laugh it off and and you you have i i i told al that if we have people hating on us that means we're doing a good thing right that I means guess that so. we're, yeah. we're getting somewhere so it you was know, just it was just funny <laughs> yeah go ahead yeah the thing the thing with me too is like i tr- like in my personal life like Zane and I have actually never met like in person because we live so far away. Like we said, we talk weekly, but we've never, we've never met. So, but yeah, like my personal life, like I will tell people, believe me, I'm the first person to tell you what I think. Like I, I, I have no filter whatsoever, but when it comes to this, like I keep it really professional and I keep it really chill because it's like, this is like, it's like a, like an alternate universe to me, this 49er stuff. You know what I mean? Like I have my day job and like most people don't even know that I do this, you know, because again, <laughs> the, living in where I do, like the Niners aren't, Niner fans are very few and far between. So like, it's funny. A lot of people don't even know that I do this. It's like, I have like this alternate personality or like, you know, it's like I'm Batman or something, you know, I have this completely different <laughs> life um, that I do this with. So. Man. Yeah, like like some like sometimes casually I'll bring it up what I do and people are like really like who do you have on your show you know what I mean stuff like that because I never talk about it and yeah there's definitely Al that does this and then there's like the other Al so yeah sometimes the other Al comes out a little bit but I still try to keep it uh yeah I don't know kind of kind of try to keep it professional and cool and stuff like that because you know we're doing this we're representing Forty ers Web Zone so if I came out here and said the things I really want to say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if David would keep me around. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. but I don't know. But yeah, anyway, so that pissed me off. I was over it the next day. Um, I appreciate the person taking it down <laughs> for whatever reason they did. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. If you want to tell me I suck, my Twitter handers, handle is at LSACO49. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it, man. So, I don't when know. You're, when you're leaving reviews on SoundCloud, give us five stars. Yeah, yeah, or iTunes, yeah, yeah. Well, that's got to, yeah, that's got to be five stars. But yeah, if if you think we suck, just yeah, t- tweet tweet at us and just let us know. That we're garbage. <laughs> so yeah, all right, Zane. Well, this was fun, man. Um, we will be back very soon with another episode of the Forty ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. Until then, check us out iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Forty ers Web Zone dot com. For Zane, this is Al. Thanks, everybody. Buy a T shirt. <laughs>